Welcome, folks, to episode 26. 26 is a big, happy, important number for a podcast. And do you know why that is? Why is that? Because that means we have been doing this for six months of weekly episodes. So, we are at the six-month mark. And we're still doing this, and you're still listening. And we would like to thank all of you for, you know, still being here for us. As a thank you, we've decided to do something a little bit different for tonight's session. And tonight, instead of playing the game, we're doing a quick question and answer session. We're going to chat a little bit and talk about some of what's going on in the game and in the Umbral Theater universe. So, since it's been a while, I'd like to reintroduce you again to everybody here on the show. hey I'm Marty, and I play Trevor Ebbs, and... You're also our sound guy. I, I am also the sound guy. That's true. I do all the editing, I guess. Um, so if you have any complaints, complain to me. But do it at theamplitheater at gmail.com. You might want to be specific with that one, because I don't know if we actually have almost everything set up at this moment in time, but I'm also in the future past right now. Also, hi, I'm Gavin. Uh, I've been playing Sir Osmond of the Flow. And... Oh boy, has this been fun. And I guess that leaves me. Uh, I'm Matt. I've been playing Father O'Malley, uh, who is a lot different than I am in real life. And if you heard half the things I've said when the mics weren't rolling, uh, you might be surprised. We would not be a a PG-rated show any longer. (laughs) Not at all. Lastly, that leaves me. I'm James. I'm the one running things. And with that, we're going to move on and start answering questions. Because we have some wonderful questions coming in from a variety of different people. Some of them even signed their name to them so that we can actually thank them for their questions now. Um, So... The first big question, uh, I think I'm gonna I'm not gonna take these in order of when they came in. I'm gonna kind of put them in order of what feels like the most fun to talk about and kind of create a flow. So, well, if you need help creating a flow, I apparently have experience. That's what Osmond is all about, right? You know what? Let's work on that. So, the first question we're gonna take it from Liz in Massachusetts. How did everyone pick their characters? Are there parts of your character that are based on your own personality? Are there parts that are very different from who you are? Uh, well, you know, I picked Trevor Ebbs because I wanted to play something completely different from anything I had ever played before. And I think Trevor certainly fits that role. Um, I, I, I wanted something more fun, I think, than the standard. This game seemed like it was going to be gloomy. And I was like, nah, man, somebody has to be like the fun, happy guy in the background that does cool stuff. And uh, yeah. That, uh, to lead into the next question is completely, that's not completely not me, but that's not me. Trevor's my extrovert to my introvert, if I had to say. Yeah. Yeah, I've known Marty since, uh, I don't know, 93, 94, and extrovert is not who he is. Yeah. Well, I'll break the pattern and go next. So, funny enough, actually, the initial concept for Father O'Malley was created with a different Monster of the Week campaign in mind, and he was a much darker character with a lot more gritty backstory. And then, um, through circumstances, James said, hey, could you play in the quote-unquote 
funny game. And I said, yeah, I think we can make that work. And just sort of rolled with the punches. As far as... Now, uh, can I interrupt you for one second there, Matt? Yeah. I just do want to bring up, um, not a lot of people know this, but from the beginning, the Umbral Theater was built to be a blanket for multiple um, podcasts so that it's something where we could run various games, get different ideas out there, and kind of tie them all in together underneath one banner. The first two shows that we came up with were Expeditions of the Extra Normal and another show that unfortunately imploded due to issues within the cast. And what's funny is that the other show was... um, It was a a much grittier detective-style story set in New Orleans, and that show was what took the initial majority of the work and the effort from all of our members here, including um, several folks who are unfortunately no longer with the Umbral Theater. But Expeditions was always kind of like a B game, where we looked at it as, this is going to be our fun game, we're just going to screw around and have some fun with it, and whatever happens, happens. And wouldn't you know it, that's the game that's taken off and lasted. Whereas the other game, at some point when we get a Patreon set up or something, we might put the episodes up there. But we got half a dozen episodes in, and due to... I mean, it wasn't any individuals really being a problem so much as just Lots schedules didn't conflicts. line. Yeah, and... Lots of scheduling conflicts. And so we might end up putting those episodes up on on a patreon or something down the road somewhere and not for nothing man lots and lots of games die because of scheduling conflicts so like it happens yeah Yeah. man role-playing in your 30s is not as easy as it is in your teens and 20s that's for sure 100 percent. but anyway so um o'malley kind of came over into expeditions um, and as far as, you know, is he me? Is, is there any part of me? I mean, you know, I have my own faith and I have my own beliefs. I'm not necessarily as steadfast as he is, but I think, um, and I think it shows when you go back and listen to, uh, everything up to now, I, it took me a while to get really comfortable with, uh, who O'Malley was kind of what he did where he came from. And really one of the things I struggled with early on as sort of the straight man and the voice of reason was, um, not coming off like a jerk. Um, which I think I've done fairly successfully, um, in, in my portrayal of the character, but there are times, especially in the early episodes where I'm like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm sticking it to Trevor, but I'm trying to do it like not in a mean way, but in kind of like a, you know, I never took offense. So. Yeah, well, I mean... You did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I would have to say about at least, you know, conceptually O'Malley and, and kind of his connection to me. Yeah, there were a couple of instances where we had to... Now, we haven't done this a lot, but there have been maybe three or four scenes that we've gone back and re-recorded afterwards. And I think a good half of those are 
early O'Malley monologues. Oh yeah, uh, definitely early on, um, I had a tendency to start speaking without having any kind of concrete um, thought about where I was headed, and it was it was blatantly obvious. And thankfully, uh, thanks to Marty and um, giving us the time, and particularly taking the time that we did early on to make sure we had a back catalog of episodes, we were able to go back and uh, nothing. I would say was drastically changed. No, it just cleaned up, neat, neatened up, and and given a tighter focus, which uh, I think I've done a better job recently. When I go on tangents as the character of making sure I, you know, have a, a form to it before I start speaking. And uh, one interesting parallel between O'Malley and Ebbs is that whereas Ebbs is very much Marty playing a little bit off um, off center as a, as a wild and crazy kind of guy. Matt generally plays characters who are a little bit more wild and impulsive. So him being the straight man is a really fun thing for all of us who've been playing games together for years. And I think that leaves us with our erstwhile night. Uh, yeah, erstwhile night. Um, because like you were saying earlier, uh, there were initially uh, two pitches for games that were going to be the kind of flagship shows for the Umbral Theater to start with. And for a while, it wasn't really clear like whether I would be a better fit for comedy or for the more serious show. So I was kind of split and had an entirely different character ready for uh, what would have been the Scarlet Veil before uh, before ultimately finding out, hey, it's going to be the comedy show, and kind of having to scrap that because he wasn't very funny. And I looked through all of the playbooks and eventually found the Exile, this uh, person out of time as part of the Hunters, and... I had just finished watching two seasons of The Tick. And slowly but surely, all the elements of this foolhardy, brash uh, Night of the Round Table, and it all just kind of uh, flowed together. Though I will say I did not uh, pick the Of The Flow title, that was, in fact, an invention of Marty's uh, shortly before we started playing in earnest. Yeah, the Ebbs and Flow Detective Agency was just... <laughs> <laughs> it was an awful pun that we couldn't not use. Yeah, man. That was a... A lot of stuff we do is on the fly. A lot of this is improv. So. Yes. That was the the first curveball that you had thrown my way for this project. and There have been many more. There have been so many more. The um, good news is, though, we've we've definitely, I think, thrown curveballs back at James, and uh, I I feel like, and I think um, Gavin and and Marty, you would agree that as much as you know, James is the the keeper and the the guy who comes up with the plot lines. I, it's been a really collaborative um, piece of work where you know the things that we've said or or ideas that we've brought up have somehow been incorporated. 
sometimes in ways we were expecting and sometimes not. And I, I feel like that's really reflected in our engagement in playing the game. That's definitely something I love about Monster of the Week. Um, it's that the James is a very important part and that he's the keeper and he tells a story. Uh, but it pushes us to also push the story in our own sense because he does less describing and we have to do more describing, I think, of scenes and what we do so that it can be properly interpreted. Um, so in that sense, it's uh, certainly groovy, man. Awesome. So <laughs> let's now that we've used up like a quarter of our time for the episode, let's move on to question number two. <laughs> um, no, um, that's uh, a little bit too inside baseball. No, um, we'll have, uh, I'm just going to figure out. We're going to roll on um, on this topic because I have a question um, that was not signed, unfortunately. Um, when did the players do something that threw the game off the rails? How did it change what was happening going forward? And I feel that that's a perfect segue coming off of uh, your last comment there. Yeah, because I think uh, we threw a lot of curveballs your way. Um, especially in the beginning when you wanted to see where we were going to take um, the story with the dead body on a beach. Yeah. Um, I mean, the first curveball was at the end of the first mystery when everyone was talking with Max Silver and Max Silver offers them a contract to work with Mountain Sea Blast and the um, Blue Harbors Corporation. At that point, I didn't know whether the players were going to be sticking around L.A. and doing battle with an evil soda company, or if they were going to be like ambassadors of goodwill driving from town to town in the Midwest promoting the soda. <laughs> so it could have gone anywhere from there. Also, the entirety of the <clears throat> the entirety of the Mad Max esque. Um, Los Angeles has fallen, and n- no cat. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the, in. the infamous no in. cat moment. Yes, um, the whole um, the whole Mad Max thing that happened because the players stopped mid mystery and walked away. They said, "Oh, we're in too bad shape. We're not going to follow up on this." And then the next week, when it was time to go follow up on this, everyone said, no, we're going to go do something else instead. <laughs> like, when they decided to go to the uh, to the, the water processing plant, that was completely out of left field. I had no idea that was coming. we got to keep you on your toes. I mean, not, just because you... Go ahead. Just because you throw zombie apocalypse at us doesn't mean we're going to run straight at that. Like, come yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, it's water desalination. Um, <laughs> wait a minute. You mean to tell me that that rival confectionery delivery truck wasn't planned ahead of time? <laughs> Look, we're we're all. I, I know it's going to come up more because uh, I've seen some of the questions that are coming, but we're all skinning around what has to have been. A big curveball and also one of the greatest decisions that uh, Gavin ever made. And that was the decision to recruit Og. Yes, Og has become very popular. 
It's very popular with the cast, so. You can't bring our first opponent back and expect me to try and beat him again and not instead do something entirely different. Yeah, you Goku'd that shark man. And now I... for something completely different. <laughs> befriending a shark man. <laughs> oh, that sort of implies that you're going to befriend the skinwalkers. Oh, no way. <laughs> Those guys can go directly to hell. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised you guys are even still messing with those things. I expected them not to last more than, I don't know, two episodes after they showed up. That's another thing that, that went south quickly was the... Uh, oh, the mountaintop arc? That was a... The, that was a beautiful disaster in like every every possible sense of the word. I'm still scratching my head about it sometimes. I don't know where I'm wrong. I got my boat back. But I will I I will say one of the things, um, and I think this goes back in part to, to what you were saying, Marty, about the structure of Monster of the Week itself. And something that we definitely as players coming out of primarily, I think, Dungeons and Dragons had to get used to is it it is less of a the players ask the DM questions and then he gives them answers and more you're taking an active voice role in what's happening. But what I love about both the system and the game world that we play in is everyone just goes with the flow. Not pun intended, I guess. (laughs) Um, Because it's like we roll up and our entourage is a priest, a knight, um, a surfer boy, and a shark man. And... It's like, oh, you got a permit for that shark man, you know, or, you know, in the first adventure, um, most of the way through when we begin or our battle with uh, the entity we would eventually come to know as Og, I just pull out a flaming broadsword and you had more questions about why my gym bag wasn't on fire than about the fact that I had a giant <laughs> flaming broadsword. <laughs> And I think it's that energy, it's that spirit of go with the flow and just have fun that kind of defines expeditions, at least for me. So now that we're on uh, the uh, shark-shaped elephant in the room, (laughs) we've got some questions about Og. So coming from Quinn, uh, Quinn writes, why is Og the best character? I think the simplest answer is because we all love him. Like we as players all love Og and James, you as a, as a keeper love Og. And so, and that reflects, we, we do everything in our power to like (laughs) sacrifice our own character development to make Og better. We did not make (laughs) Og, but we are certainly going to keep him. I think it's just a combination of, you know, we think it's hilarious, but at the same time, he's just presented as such a lovable, you know, <clears throat> side act to the whole thing. That how could you not like just fall in love with shark noises? Shark noises. <laughs> <laughs> yes, during our recordings, anytime Og has <clears throat> during our recordings, anytime Og has just random noises to make, I just shark noises. And then Marty comes back in and <laughs> makes it sound right. 
Gavin yes, also my throat is fine. Shock. My throat is absolutely fine, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is that is an editing trick, not me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good time. It's it's awesome. Um, so then the next question about Og, and this comes from Mister F via Reddit. I'm trying to figure out what happened mechanically that led to Og the Shark joining the Hunters. He was a monster, and then he came back as a minion. I followed all that, but now he's part of the team, but I don't think he's a Hunter because the Keeper still narrates for him. Did someone select him as a companion for a level-up option, or was it something else? Well, that was the initial plan, was that he'd kind of be kept around and eventually... Someone, when they get an advancement, can kind of check that box and start playing him on the side. But no one ever did. So he's just kind of been this useless, adorable mess of a giant shark man that just follows us around trying to eat things. And I kind of love it. Yeah, I yeah. think the, the, the game mechanic that allowed us to keep Og as a member of the team is playing on the sympathies and the love for Og that James has as a keeper. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, if you pay attention, Og does almost nothing. He says a few lines here and there, he puts something in his mouth, and sometimes he's used as validation for somebody else's role. You know, if somebody rolls really well to, I don't know, throw somebody into the water, Og might eat the person, or... Well, somebody rolled really well when narratively they're trying to break into a building to rescue someone. Og comes over and does it for them. He's not really changing anything by his presence, other than just letting us all have a good time. He's a convenient excuse for when the, the game presents us with something happening. And instead of trying to come up with a convoluted reason why Trevor Ebbs can flip that car back over, Og helps him out. Yeah, we had to adopt him also, I think, as a group, even if he couldn't be brought in as a character. Because uh, what kind of people would we be if we just let a shark man back loose into the city after convincing him not to attack things? Look, man, you got you have to come home with us now. Like, you can't go hurt people. And he was like, all right. And besides, was there any better moment of, of character development than when, in lieu of growing back his own missing foot, Trevor instead gave the water of the fake Holy Grail to Og, and it healed him of all of his cybernetic sharpness? Heck yeah, man, he, he deserved it. He called dibs. <laughs> well, he did eat back silver, so... <laughs> <laughs> okay. With Og out of the way, let me mark off the questions that we've already asked and answered here. Because, let's face it, everybody loves Og. Everyone would want their own Og, until they realized they kind of probably didn't. <laughs> this past episode that aired was also our... It was the episode where we all partook in being Og. Um, yes, we should discuss that too real quick before we get real, off of yeah, Og. Yeah, before we got off Og, absolutely. Um... I mean, it was just real quick. Like, I think that was Og's way of defining 
this is what I've been taught in life. And each one of us took a chance to um, say how Og would act because what would the party do is what Og thought, I think. I am Og's third brain cell. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just such a fun and funny, ridiculous addition to, you know, kind of the structure of that episode was, was you know, the framing was every member of the crew is kind of doing their own thing. Oh, okay, well, here's uh, Og's contribution to that. And... Uh, just trying to have as much fun with that story and make it be as ridiculous as it could be uh, was a lot of fun. It was also really funny because uh, during that episode, I kept having internet issues. So I would like, Og would be like going down towards the beach. And then by the time I got back on to the discord server, um, Og was like playing volleyball and I'm like, Oh, I missed something. But like, as soon as I came on, I think James was like, Roll some dice. And so I just rolled some dice. And I'm like, it's this. And he's like, okay. Og, uh, Og does volleyball pretty well. <laughs> so, it, 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 again, it helps sometimes when you're just out there having fun with the, the material and the scenario as it's presented to us. Yeah, I really do enjoy the, um, the throwing in every couple of mysteries an episode where everybody just gets a day of downtime to do their own thing and be their own person. I like because I, too. Yeah, it's something that always bothers me in is the disconnect. Because if you're watching a TV show or reading books, there's time between the things that happens. You know, it's not like every day something new happens. Whereas a lot of the times when people are playing various tabletop role-playing games, what will happen is you'll go through an adventure and you'll sleep the night and you'll heal up and then the next morning you go on the next adventure. And it just has this breakneck pace. And it doesn't sit well with me. It's kind of like the first couple of seasons of True Blood where there's a lot of atmosphere and character building and room for the scenes to breathe but as things progress in the later seasons we get to spend three minutes with each character something happens and we immediately cut to something else so that everything is rushed and cramped and it doesn't have any impact it just is so I really like that cool down period it also gives us a great chance to see people outside of their comfort zone. We don't need to see the hunters always hunting the monsters. Sometimes they're shopping in a supermarket or having a picnic or... It also gives a lot more depth to some of the NPCs. Um, we got to know Luann a little better. We got to know Tiffany a little more during a couple of those episodes. Um, you know, uh, Charles and Totes. Yeah, they definitely um, also help expand the world, I think, as much as they expand us. Yeah, they're, they're great world building. And, and honestly, I think, um, you know, some of the best comedy in the series 
uh, as far as dialogue comes in those moments where we're not really actively participating in an adventure. Like I think one of the funniest scenes in the entire series is the scene where we're standing in line at the grocery store trying to get water. <laughs> and between Ebbs not understanding why we can't just drink seawater and Osmond doing jumping jacks in a full suit of plate mail and just the overall general ridiculousness of the whole situation. And then just that it ends after all this other looping conversation with you going back, Martin, to wait, why can't we just drink ocean water? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it just it gives us an opportunity to really um, be funny, but at the same time, just because it's it's so, you know, the slice of life for these out there characters that we've created. Yeah, man. Okay. So, next question. Quinn had a second question, but it was different than the first question. So, we're going to do this one separate. Let's hear it. How much luck does each character have left? Trevor Ebbs has one point of luck left. Oh, Jesus Christ. When did you spend us the, the other point of... Oh, oh no, no, it's two. You're right. <laughs> oh, no. Like, two is bad, but one... No, oh, it's no. two. I have two. Because we joked that one day about how I was going to have to spend it if, if um, that sea blast had exploded at the barrier and i was like ha i don't do that so yes i have two left we're screwed well, well no <laughs> well, yeah. well you're you are. a real funny use of the word we the royal we i see uh at time of recording uh sir osmond has four points of luck remaining i have been very liberal in just taking the bad result I, I also have four points of luck left. Um, I generally only think to spend it when I really need to. And then, yeah, I've been either rolling with failures or scraping by by the skin of my teeth. Failure is good. Failure is a lesson. Failure is experience point. It is. Now, for those of you listeners out there who aren't intimately familiar with the Monster of the Week rules... Once a hunter has zero luck left, I, as the keeper, have carte blanche to make their life miserable. I can have monsters jump them in the shower. I can have them be automatically hit in combat. I can do almost anything I want to that character. Running out of luck means your character is... Well, your character is that cop who's got one day left till retirement. And he's already got his vacation plan set. So, we're getting really close to the end game of what's happening here. Um, in the most recent episodes, um, spoiler alert if you haven't been listening to the episodes prior to this. But... We have met the two primary endgame villains. And 
depending on player actions, resolution could come relatively quickly down the road. And if everybody runs out of luck, well, resolution will be coming very quickly, not so far down the road. I would also like to point out that I wasn't gifted luck back, so... You were gifted your foot back instead. You were. And also, your your current hunter type, you have to spend a point of luck to prevent yourself from dying until you don't have any more luck, so... That's very true. And I guess you could also say uh, we did not receive uh, some luck points back while at one luck point. This is also true. Yeah, but you needed that foot back. Otherwise, you couldn't do your cartwheels. No more cartwheels. Or your uh, your famous one-footed heel clicky dicky thing that you do when you surf. Though it, this has not stopped him from trying to do both. Never Spectacularly. I, I think some of that comes down to the fact that Marty just forgot that he had lost his foot. <laughs> no, I 3D printed one, and I guess it just never came through. So I, 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 I had been discussed twice in the episode. It is, it is sitting on your print bed right now. See? There you go, man. I just never put it on. Shucks. So, next question. Uh, next one comes from Jake. Thanks for writing in, Jake. Um, what do we do other than play this game? Wow. Well, as you've been quick to point out in certain ad breaks, uh, I work. I edit. Um, recently, we've taken up playing World of Warcraft. We have streamed on occasion. Yeah. It's mostly all of us being together, being bad, and laughing at each other while we play. If I'm not mistaken, um, it's mostly one of y'all who's bad. I just no, no. There's who. there's definitely two people who are bad. <laughs> Wait, I'm not bad. I'm the tank. My bad. You made us. You made us run in circles for that stupid drunko twice. Look, I did do that. If, to you. If we're, That's right. If we're doing maths, okay, then there's three bad players. Martin, and then me twice. Ooh. <laughs> you know what? You get points for having a vindicated self-burn. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also, we've all played D&D together in the past and definitely will again in the future. Eagerly. Um, Eagerly awaiting the next chance to be a player in one of James's real life games. Well, first we have to be able to have real life games. Um, where a mask. Yeah, we'll get that. there. We'll get uh, there. It's coming, and it's one of the things keeping me going forward. I swear. But we've been uh, avid video gamers. Uh, James and I are both uh, fairly avid miniature gamers. Again, that's something that we don't really get too much of an opportunity to do at the current moment, but. Hopefully soon. That could change. Um, we, oh, we're um, we are all with the, you know, the exception of Marty, uh, avid wrestling fans. We do do a lot of pre-recording talking about what's happening in the world of wrestling. Um, as our yeah, sort someone, of someone, 
Someone seems to have changed my uh, my nickname for our Discord server to War Games. That's that someone was you, Gavin, and we all know it. It was not me. No, someone else did that to me. Oh, I don't know who changed your name, but no, I don't know who changed mine. I changed my name after you changed my name. That's another thing that uh, folks wouldn't know about, uh, you know, inside baseball kind of stuff. But since the start of this game, uh, since we uh, play over Discord. My nickname has changed at least 15 times. Not always by my own doing. No, I mean, it's gone from Papa Priestly Pants to, like, Father Dingbat. And at first it was, like, mostly religious the priestly jokes. One. The Holy Roller. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it has started to expand. And it was for a while it was, um, was it the Holy Gully? The Holy Gully, it was. And then it changed to um, the Hurdy Gurdy, and uh, that all came out of the time that it was changed to the Hardy Boy because of uh, <laughs> yeah, it was the Hardy Boy. I oh. uh, solved, but uh, I don't even know if Matt noticed this, but for a while after it was the Hardy Boy, it had turned into the Hardly Boy. I did notice that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, um, we also do have public space in our Discord. Um, so if you guys are bored, um, we'll put a link somewhere. Um, you can like stop by and chat or what have you. Um, mostly we just ramble while we play various games. Um, stop saying um. All that kind of thing. Hmm? Stop saying um. Yeah, I'm sorry. I um, am... Um, I'm not uh, editing this episode, <laughs> so you say all the ums you want. I'm just no, going to curse you now while I can. I'm I'm gonna slap you. This is getting like You're gonna have to have a real long arm to reach Marty. That's right. All twelve hundred yeah. miles away that it is. Yeah, so um yeah. I'll stop purposefully <laughs> putting in the extra ums. It was fun. I mean <clears throat> I also wasn't exactly sure of what I was trying to say there. Anywho, time for our final question. Uh, where is our final quote? Okay, here it is. Are you looking for more players? That is a complicated question. No, it's pretty straightforward. Um, <laughs> well, it's a very it, straightforward question with a very complicated answer. Yes. Yeah, the answer is yes. <laughs> so, so currently. I don't know if we're looking for any more people to be on this particular show. Correct. Expeditions of the Extra Normal. Because as we mentioned earlier, it's coming to a close. Even if you don't know that yet, folks, we know it because we have other episodes recorded. Between you and I, uh, practitioners of the listening variety, um, I have no idea when it's going to end. Just letting you know. Yeah, uh, Marty's lying. We don't know when it's going to end, but... It, 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 could, it could be soon. It happen any time. But it's, it's hard to remember what hasn't been released yet, because there's one particular really funny bit from an upcoming episode that I don't want to spoil, because it's so good. Um, oh, now they're going to be expecting a really funny bit, man. Yeah. They, they, and they're going to find it. Okay. It's, it's, it's not going to be hard. <laughs> so, that being said, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, the Umbral Theater is an umbrella organization we currently have two shows broadcasting weekly 
and that is the Expeditions of the Extra Normal and Weirdwood Preparatory Academy. Weirdwood is a much different game. It uses the Monster Hearts rule set. It's kind of a teenage romance kind of thing. And I do know that show is looking for a another cast member or two. Probably somebody uh, female or non-binary leaning towards female. We have another show that has been recording episodes and will hopefully be live by the new year. And that is going to be the first Dungeons & Dragons show we're putting out. This is actually the first time we're talking about it in anywhere people can see it. And that show is going to be a game of Curse of Strahd that I will be running that has been thematically altered so that it doesn't take place in the backwoods domain of Barovia. Barovia is instead a chain of islands, and it is a very pirate-themed game. So Pirate Curse of Strahd is the way I sold it to the to the cast, and it's going to be very interesting. I think folks are going to love that. We are also looking for people who are interested in playing in future games. We're looking for people who are interested in perhaps running games. We would be happy to host other people's games here on the Umbral Theater. And one of the things that I wanted to do with the Umbral Theater when we first started coming up with this was provide a safe place for people who want to learn how to podcast, who want to learn how to DM and learn how to, to run a game online sort of thing. So if you're interested in, in perhaps learning how to do that, or if you'd like to start something up, but you're not sure where to start, reach out to us here. That's something we would love to help you with. See, easy question. With a complicated answer. So was that it? Four questions? Five questions? We did, that was six questions. That was six all questions. Right. Look. Listen, we all know about your math. Okay? So. Says Mr. 8 plus 2 is 9. All right. Oh. Man, Some whatever. people will have caught that. Um, <laughs> but I will I will say this. Um, that actually might have been 7. I might have been wrong in my counting. But if we. If, um. Lesson of the day, folks. If you leave math to other people, you yourself don't get to look stupid. That's true. But the the whole math reference is, uh, for anyone who has missed it, uh, more or less Trevor Ebbs' catchphrase has become one plus one equals two. Gosh, I haven't said that in a long time. You haven't. You haven't. But wow. um, one, of the, one of the reasons, I just wanted to share this inside baseball story because it's one of the funniest things ever. Uh he said it once or twice early on, but where it really became a, a thing for us was there was a night where after recording, we were just hanging out and, and talking, as usually happens, and Marty screen shared his first page of notes that he'd taken for the game, which were entirely disjointed, like nothing really related to anything. I You really have to be Marty to understand the flow of the page, but just in the corner, the upper right-hand corner was just one plus one equals two. And whether it was the lateness of the night or 
just the general disorder of the pages, it was just the funniest thing any of us had ever seen, and we laughed for like 15 minutes about it. Yeah, man. That, uh... Even I, I look at it, man, now, and I'm like, what was I doing? (laughs) Well, you were just being in character. I was in character, man. That was it. For the master detective, it was important that you knew exactly what (laughs) one plus one was. You had to get the hard facts. And I dare say you have at least one. You have a firm grip on that mathematical equation. Gosh, we never even talked about the monsters. Did anybody have a favorite monster? You know, it's everybody's favorite uh, monster or favorite enemy, villain, whatever. So I would say, for me, I mean, obviously everyone's favorite monster is Og, but <laughs> I loved the Sandersnatch. Like, I just thought that was just such a ridiculous concept, um, but worked so well with, with what was going on, because... Literally the front half of that episode, uh, of that mystery, I should say, is us trying to figure out what's happening. And I think before it revealed itself, everybody kind of had their own concept of what it might have been. But I don't think any of us were going with sentient sand. That's funny that you say the Sandersnatch, because I also have in my notes the Sandersnatch. Um, <laughs> should I have decided to look at uh, which, which monster was my favorite? Um, aside from that... Um, I also really liked the fire hydrants, uh, but they were kind of my own little enemies for a bit, so I might be biased. It's really, really hard to pick just one. Um, I, I was very much, I was very much a fan of the Sandersnatch, mostly because behind the scenes, after it was revealed, I came up with the name Sandersnatch, uh. And so I was very proud of that and have tried to shoehorn a name onto every creature before we give it one. Yeah, those are some pretty good names, I think, for some of these creatures. Absolutely. The sort of lacrum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that one took some work shopping. <laughs> but we ultimately <laughs> all agreed that that was the best one. It was. Yeah, I can definitely say I think the skinwalkers are the worst because I... Can't do anything to them. <laughs> but if I was supposed to... But if I'm going to pick, like, a single favorite monster, I think it would definitely have to be Og Round 2, specifically. Since I... It was a turning point in which I was able to recognize this is not just a beast. It is a beast enslaved. And... That allowed me to take that narrative into a completely different direction, and I still look very fondly on that encounter. All good choices. Now, I have a question, which is, what are y'all's favorite moments so far from the series? Gosh, I never thought about a favorite moment. I need a minute. Well, I don't mean to sound like a one-trick pony, but turning Og to the to the light side was probably the best. That was probably... I think I peaked around there, guys. I don't know what to say. That's. I uh, think my favorite moment... 
I think I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and have two favorite moments. Uh, it's okay. Which, when, you, when you come to me, I'm gonna have three. So, so one of my favorite moments on this side of this the DM screen is the first Sotalacrum when the when the hunters got so angry and so frustrated as I'm just trying to give them free soda. And <laughs> by the hunters you mean O'Malley, but yeah. And and yeah, and in the background, Trevor's like popping open a can and he's getting ready to drink. <laughs> and it's it's just I loved it. And the second one and this is a little bit behind the scenes, is after last week we were discussing the various villains in the game. And Matt took a guess, wild guess in the dark, about who the person was who was in control of the Skinwalkers. And I was smug as fuck because I had I was 100% certain there was no way Matt was going to be able to guess it he just first try he just it's this one isn't it and I'm like what the because I didn't think there was any way in hell anybody even could make that connection what can I say sometimes uh, I might not be very good at wow but Sometimes I'm fairly okay at deduction. So, my collection of favorite moments, um, probably my absolute favorite moment, because I, I think it's one of the funniest things in the world, is during the Sandersnatch mystery, there's a moment where Osmond is going to try and be in pursuit of Tiffany because he's afraid that she's going to get, um, you know, attacked. And this is before we've seen Sandersnatch. And Ebbs just goes, no, man, no, that's not cool. That's look, she's, she's got two pairs of feetsies. She's got two pairs of shoesies. She's all rightsies to roll aroundsies. Um, and the line itself is very funny, but then when you stop to think about the fact that if she had two pairs of feet and two pairs of skates, she'd have four feet. Um, just puts an extra smile on my face. Uh, every time I hear that moment in that episode, um, Personally, as a player, I think my favorite moment for myself um, is the moment in the woods um, where the hunters have just met Bob from the Druids, and he's tried to tell them this story to scare them off uh, and get us to stop our pursuit of uh, Trevor's boat and the Druids and all that. And then I came back, I fired back with this story uh basically detailing um, O'Malley's convictions and about, you know, how he's, he's the big dog uh, in the yard to protect the sheep. And uh, I thought that was really cool. Like I, I was really feeling that speech and I thought it played really well. So as a player, that was probably my favorite moment for me. Um, the other one is a blink and you'll miss it moment from the first episode. It's before I've even been introduced. And it's a two-line exchange between Osmond and Ebbs. And Osmond says, This is no fair lady of the lake. 
and Eb says, yeah, and I wouldn't throw my sword at her either, if you know what I mean. And that gets me every time. And now it's time for me to curveball cheat. My other favorite <laughs> moment is when we had our uh, our A-team special. Thank you. Thank you. Marty, you come up with a moment? Oh, about the A-team special. Yeah. Right quick. Go ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just got to let everybody know. I slipped that in and I'm like, okay, this is going to be funny. People are going to pick up on what's going on. This is going to be great. Not one of these guys has seen a single episode or the movie. Oh, I saw the movie. Okay. Yeah, I just never seen an episode. And I'm like, I know who the people are. I know who the characters are. But good gosh, if I knew what to do. <laughs> that episode was a struggle. I, I quick, I, as fast as I could, Googled the, the characters, figured out which one I was. And I was like, cool, man. I'm the one that smiles and sits here and flies things. And apparently I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> I was really frustrated. The struggle for me was within the span of an episode trying to figure out how to say the lines, but as my character, Sir Osmond. Because you've only got the one shot. Let me have one shot to say that you pity the fool. I think you took it pretty well, Gab, when, when it came. Thank you. Thank you. And and it, I, I thought having Og as, as Hannibal was... <laughs> I don't know what else you could do. <laughs> you know, praise be that we had Og in a smarty pants role. Otherwise, you would have had much, much more of a struggle on your hands trying to guide us through this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Marty, your turn. Oh, man, I'm in character. Uh oh. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Um, the scene that I enjoyed that 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 makes me laugh um, is just after the mountaintop scene. <laughs> it's making me laugh thinking about it. <laughs> just after the mountaintop scene, and we return back to the bed and breakfast, and we're all banged up, and we have to get a ride to the doctor. So, oh, no. <laughs> so yeah, that exchange. <laughs> <laughs> the boondoggle it gets, it boondoggle gets me every time <laughs> man that was that was one of the first times um that we really put gavin on the spot to like carry the narrative of a scene and he performed like way more than admirably and and that is a, a classic hilarious moment yeah definitely that I've... does remind me of the time when you're in the emergency room and Og is eating highlights for children. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, we've had we've had some zany adventures, that's for sure. Yes, this show has taught me, a very anxious person, how to pretend to have anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've been recording for a while now, so we're going to call that it for this time. And uh, down the road, depending on how long this show goes, we'll maybe do another one of these. Or definitely do another one of these after the end, maybe? Yeah, like a post-mortem? I think a wrap-up. Yeah. 
Some but, socially distanced champagne. Shower, and I mean, I'm not talking so. it's coming anytime soon, folks. I just, we just know yeah. in the future that there's a plans. But hey, this is this is gaming. Who knows? It could just left. We could take an exit and be like, hey, cool, new highway. Yeah, this I mean, really- let's let's be fair. Thanos appears in the post credit scene of the first Avengers movie, and then there's like 25 more movies before they fight <laughs> Thanos. So, yeah, we don't know when we're getting to the fireworks factory. It might don't not forget, be anytime soon. It was 25 movies to lose to Thanos, 26 to win. Yeah. There you go. When I initially put this together, the rough estimate was between 40 and 60 episodes. With the current progression and how far we've gotten and how things have gone, I feel like we might make it to 52, but I wouldn't go longer than that. I wouldn't bet on longer than that, we'll say. Well, yeah, with that, thanks for listening, folks. Have a small night. We love you. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you later. Stop about that.